The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 104. The short story at the end of today's episode is from 25 Perfect Days plus five more. Today's story is 21 Seats. Uh, Hopefully you guys will enjoy that. I do not have a guest today. That's why I'm in a tank top because I don't have to look professional. Although I guess sitting around in a black t-shirt isn't that much more professional, but it is what it is. I'm being comfortable today. Um, so it's been a pretty cool week. Um, well, one thing I've realized by having on guests is how much more I enjoy it. It uh, definitely I don't know, it gives me gives me a huge energy boost when I have a cool conversation with someone. So whether it's in person or meeting someone for the first time, uh, this past week I had, so last week I had on Scott Gazzoli. Hopefully you guys listened to that. Then on Monday, I was on his podcast, Causing the Effect, and we had just an even cooler conversation. Um, So one of the things I've been doing over the last couple of days is reaching out to different podcasters, and we're going to be on each other's podcasts because I'm exposed to their audience. Um, You guys are exposed to them, and a lot of these people have really cool stories and just a cool perspective on the world, which is what I would like to share. So whether it's improving yourself as a person, uh, your mind, your body, um, anything like that, I'm definitely open for it. So that's what I've been working on. Uh, also just redesigned the covers for Brightside and Beyond Brightside. Uh, Michael Squid, who did the covers for the new covers for Untold Mayhem and Twisted Reunion, is doing the covers for those as well. Uh, right now, we just nailed down the final cover for Brightside and Beyond Brightside should be ready in a few days. So I'm excited about those. I think those are going to convert way better. Been doing a lot of time uh, looking at marketing, um, seeing what kind of covers work best, and then relaunching them. So I'm excited to be doing that. Uh, that will be coming out uh, soon. So, and I've also started marketing around the world. Uh, not too much right now. I'm not putting a lot of money into it, but I'm doing a lot of cool Facebook ads, really pushing Twisted Reunion. Uh, it's nice to see that hitting in the top. Uh, in the UK, I know is in the top ten, and that's without any sales going on or anything like that. That's just with Facebook advertising. So that's cool. Uh, have a lot of had a lot of cool conversations this week with people that have sent me emails. Um, really growing my newsletter list, my subscribers to my newsletter, and that's been awesome because that's what I want to do. I want to connect with people. Uh, I want to find out about people. Another really cool thing is a lot of those people that are reading my books or signing up on the newsletter are also going on to join dark and disturbing fear-filled fiction. So that's awesome as well. I'm realizing that's where I don't mind spending my time on social media when it's in there. So I'll spend maybe, what, 15 minutes a day, something like that. But it's generally talking to people in that group. Um, You know, I don't really care about going on other social media shit. I don't like scrolling. I don't like wasting my time. It's interesting. uh, And I do like seeing friends stuff every once in a while. But I don't want to spend a lot of time. I gotta. I need my time to produce um, content. Um, one thing I haven't been doing a good job of this week is producing content. I've been stuck on my traumatic brain injury book. Uh, this chapter is supposed to be on meditation. 
and meditation. Nah, I'm not a huge fan of it. Although, although I think, and this is what I'm going to get across in the book, this is what I'm going to write. I realize that much of my meditation is after I smoke weed at night, um, I'll spend 15, 20 minutes without doing anything and just thinking, sitting there, you know, contemplating my day, uh, reflecting on my day, uh, just being open to stuff. And that's, especially when I'm in the sauna, that's when it really hits me. If I'm just working on my breath and focusing on my breath, I was like, that's a good meditation for me. That's a good time for me to kind of recharge. Um, but sitting around and trying to do my own, not so much. Uh, one thing I will be doing today, though, uh, part of the yoga program I'm doing, the I think it's Inner Dimension. It's through Travis. Travis Elliott is the main teacher. Uh, it's Level Up 108, 108-day program. I hit a little snag. I think I was 12 days in, had to take a couple of days off because of my neck injury. Uh, but now I'm back into it. But he also has really cool meditations. So I'm going to start doing those. Um, try to do those every day and then write about it. Maybe I'll do a week's worth and then uh, write about it in the book. I'm also supposed to be tra interviewing Travis for the book and the podcast uh, the next couple of weeks. It's supposed to be sometime in April. So I need to write to him again and see if we can schedule that. I think it'd be really cool. He's just got such a cool message. Uh, really like his take on teaching yoga and just I've gained a lot from the messages in his program. So if you haven't checked that out um, and you're interested in yoga and you want to be challenged, that is a really cool, cool program. Um, I think it's less than a hundred bucks for the entire year and they got all kinds of stuff on there. So um, yeah, I would say that is worth checking out. Um, in addition to the yoga, I've been doing more swimming now. Uh, living in Southern California isn't completely bad. I usually bitch about it and say I want to get out of here, but with the nice weather, it allows us to go swimming. So I've been doing that with my son. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, also been doing, yeah, what else? What else? Nah, not a whole lot else. In the last couple of weeks, I had been hiking with a buddy um, and putting on a rucksack with uh, 50 pounds, 60 pounds. I think the most it goes up to is 60. I think I'm at 54. So maybe I'll do that this weekend. That's always a good little thing. Uh, I've realized running is not good for me. It just tears up my body too much. So I need to either hike, swim, do yoga, row, something better for me. Um, I think that's what it is when it comes to exercises, like find something that works for you. Uh, you know, there's, there's no sense beating yourself up doing something that is not helping your body like running. Yeah. I, a lot of people love running, but there's not that much of a difference in the benefits between running and walking fast. So why not walk fast for me? So that's how I am approaching things and I'm digging it. So guys, if you can't tell, I want to get to work. I got a lot of shit going on. So I'm going to cut this one short. You guys are here for the story anyway, hopefully. And hopefully you guys will enjoy this one. Again, this is off of 25 Perfect Days. Uh, the entire audiobook is and ebook, they're both 99 cents. Although the five more perfect days, you would have to get that as well if you want to hear all 30 stories. And that's another 99 cents. So it'd be $1.99 for the full audiobook or just listen every week here. So we have 25 perfect days. This one is 21 seats narrated by David Thompson, my buddy. Hopefully you guys dig it. And I will talk to you next week. I will have a special guest on. He's from 10th Planet and you'll find out about him next week. All right, guys. Later. Twenty-one seats.
June 20th, 2044. The tall woman wiped her tears and stepped back from the podium, signaling she was done wasting their time. Longley got up from behind his desk and shook her hand. How about a round of applause for Mrs. Edgefield? While the rest of the class clapped like the mindless puppets they'd spent the entire year proving they were, Todd raised his hand. Longley saw him and looked away. Todd wasn't about to be ignored by some asshole pretending he wanted to make the world a better place. I have a question. Longley guided the woman into the hallway and closed the door behind her. He returned to his desk and said, Of course you do, Mr. Jaworski. What might that be? Why should we clap for her? Where do you want me to start? She's a nurse. Big deal. She doesn't even like her job. For one, it's polite to clap for someone after they give a presentation. Robert's mother took the time out of her day to come down here and talk to you, and it obviously wasn't easy for her. It's also proper etiquette to clap for someone who gives a good speech, which you would have noticed she did if you had been paying attention. Todd's hand crept to his waistband, where he tucked the particle pistol he'd borrowed from his brother, Brian. Just because it's the last day of school doesn't mean you can talk to me like I'm an idiot. Longley slipped a stack of papers into his briefcase. I apologize if that's how you took it. I'm just saying, I don't think it's right to honor someone for having a job they can't stand. And how about Jen's dad? A janitor at the police station? Why would I clap for a guy that spends his whole day scraping criminals off the floors? Both of them made bad choices in their life, and I won't clap for them just because you tell me to. That's fine, Longley said. You have the right to clap or not clap for anyone you please, but you obviously missed the point of today. Todd hoped Longley realized how stupid he sounded, standing up there thinking he was better than the rest of them. Obviously. Longley said something under his breath that scored a couple chuckles from Tammy Wells and the other kiss-asses in the front row. Speaking loud enough for everyone to hear, Todd said, What'd you say? Longley stopped what he was doing. I'm not doing this today, Jaworski. It's my last day at this school, and I'm not going to spend it locked in yet another senseless debate with you. Todd was unable to think of anything clever to say. He was tired of this homo staring into his eyes, so he turned away. A few of the kids glared at him. One of them was the six-foot-five Robert Edgefield, who sat two seats over. Todd asked him, What the hell's your problem? You shouldn't talk about my mom like that, Robert said. Or what? Are you going to cry like your mommy? Longley told Todd to knock it off. Listen up, class. Before I call in the next speaker, I want to go over a couple of things. Of course Longley wanted to go over something. He loved to hear himself talk. First, I want you all to take a moment to look around yourselves. Only the morons in the front turned around. Go ahead, Longley said. I can wait. Everyone except Todd looked about. Longley locked eyes with Todd, and instead of making a big deal of it, Todd looked left, then right. Longley told the class, Tell me what you see. Before anyone else could answer, Todd blurted out, You sure you want to know? He had access to controller documents, 
and knew everything about his classmates and Longley. If you're not going to say something nice, then don't say it. Longley pointed at Paul, the pencil-necked pussy not even giving Todd the chance to answer. Fear, Paul said. Uncertainty. Good. Very good, Longley said. That's bullshit, Todd said. Maybe you guys are scared. I'm not. Well, not everyone has family members in the controller's main office. What's that supposed to mean? What do you think it means, Jaworski? I think you're saying something bad about the controllers. I'm simply saying I understand why certain students are afraid of the future, and certain students aren't. If Todd was going to report any insubordination to his father, he would need something more concrete. Instead of trying to drag Longley into a discussion, Todd sat back and relaxed. Longley was a prick through and through. He'd say something to get himself killed. Todd just hoped he'd do it in the next 15 minutes, before the bell rang. What else do you guys see? What else is there to notice? Tammy raised her hand real slow. When Longley called on her, she said, I see courage. There are a lot of empty seats in here. The fact that not all of them are empty says something. Very good, Tammy, Longley motioned about the room. We start out the semester with 44 students. Now here we are at the end of the year. 21 empty seats. Less bullshit to put up with, Todd said. That's one way of looking at it, Longley said. Or you could see it as a sad sign of the times. This is, arguably, the best and most expensive high school in San Angeles, and our attendance is below 40%. So many moved to the inner blocks or dropped out to work. Half the girls are pregnant. What's your point? Todd asked. Acting like he didn't hear, Longley said. Tammy's right about seeing courage. Instead of empty seats, she saw each of you. She saw that you stuck out the year despite all the hardships and reasons to stop attending. Todd said, The only reason I stayed is because I won't get any money from my dad if I don't graduate. Well, you're still here, so it's a good thing. Be sure to thank him for me, Longley said. His stupid smile earned him a couple laughs. The chicken shits held their hands to their faces, so Todd couldn't see who was laughing. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Now what else is funny? I know where each of you live. Maybe this summer me and my family will stop by and say hi. The class went silent. Then Longley said, Just be sure to call ahead and bring ice cream. We'll make a party of it. It took all of Todd's restraint not to pull out the pistol and erase Longley's smart-ass face. He was trying to think of what to tell him when Longley walked over and opened the classroom door. We still have two speakers. Please save the questions and comments. Longley shook hands with a small man who looked about as old as Todd's father, but with ash-white hair. Longley introduced the man as Mr. Dobbs and showed him to the podium. Even though Todd was at the back of the room, he caught a whiff of something so fierce his eyes watered. It smelled as if the guy had spent the last ten minutes in the hallway, singeing off his body hair. Some of you know me, Dobbs said. For those that don't, I'm Stacy's father. Stacy cringed in her seat. 
Todd couldn't help thinking how much he'd like to give her and her very developed freshman sister Stephanie something to cry about. While he dreamt of simultaneously slamming the sisters, he remembered they had both been voluntarily sterilized, probably to help the sniveling man up front pay the bills. Todd could screw both of them all day long and never worry about them popping out pups. I graduated from high school and worked for the school district until the disaster hit, Dobbs said. Then I saw a chance to make some extra money and took a job at the scale house. Todd's eyes moved away from Stacy's long, creamy legs. Her father was suddenly interesting. I never should have done it, but as I'm sure you've heard your parents say, jobs are hard to come by. That's why you should stay in school. You can all do better than I did. Dobbs licked his lips. I didn't have someone to tell me that. I didn't have anyone warn me if I didn't stay in school, I might end up cleaning out furnaces. I'm there every day, right below all the action. I get to hear all the pleading, all the cries, all the screams, all the burning. Now I'm nothing more than an embarrassment to my daughters. I can't get the horrible smell out of my clothes, my hair, my dreams. Stacy told her dad what he said wasn't true. Dobbs got choked up. He took a second, then continued. Stay in school and watch what you eat. Start dieting now. Most of you will be 18 sooner than you know it. The last thing I want to hear is you up there crying that you didn't know what weight you had to be under. I can't tell you the number of kids who think they should be given another chance. Everyone has to make weight. The controllers don't care who you are. And mark my words, it won't always be random. Dobbs rushed out of the room before Longley could ask them to clap. While Longley waved in the next guess, Todd said, I hope you know he's wrong. Longley showed a large man in an all-black uniform to the podium. Wrong about what? Not everyone has to make weight. Controlling force agents don't. Neither do those with money for a waiver. But that's not the point, Longley said. So how many of you would want the job Mr. Dobbs has? No one raised their hand. Well, those are the kind of jobs out there for people who only finish high school. Hopefully, these talks will give you something to think about over summer. I want you all to not only come back and finish next year, but with grades high enough for college. I want you to discover ways to fix our farmlands, solve the energy crisis, decontaminate the water, fight to improve civil rights. Todd had heard enough. If you have some negative thoughts about the controllers, then I think you should say them. Longley's jaw tightened. Of course I don't have a problem with the controllers. No one ever does. No one ever should. They've done such a great job with everything. Longley introduced the man in the uniform as Sergeant Williams, then sat behind his desk. Williams looked at Todd and said, You're right, by the way. Military and law enforcement agents don't need to make weight. Todd nodded with a smirk and waited for the sergeant to continue. Finally, someone with something to say. As you can probably tell, I'm well over the cutoff for males. It's a nice benefit, but what happens if I get injured and lose my job? 
What if there are budget cutbacks, which there always are? Those are some things to think about if you are interested in my line of work. Todd didn't recognize the uniform and wondered what organization Williams was with. Williams asked, How many of you have your driver's license? Only Todd and Joanne, whose dad was high up in the Church of the American Way, raised their hands. I'm stationed at the DMV with a job I never would have considered eight years ago when I was your age. I run the denials. Since the so-called sergeant wasn't the biological father of any of the kids in the classroom, Todd figured Williams was a friend of Longley's. You're not even really law enforcement. No wonder you don't carry. I'm not caring because I'm off duty and in a classroom. It's called showing respect. You should look into it. The thought that this asshole put himself in the same class as an actual controlling force agent made Todd sick. His classmate's last image of Todd wasn't going to be him getting punked. You should be careful who you talk to like that. William smiled. And why should I do that? Longley got up from his desk and told Todd to be quiet. William said, No, I'd like to hear your answer. Feeling everyone's eyes on him, Todd said, I don't need your permission to talk. You're right. I can tell you're a big man. I was in the hallway listening. You're not scared to speak your mind. Fuck you. Longley waved his arms. All right, that's enough. William's eyes never left Todd. I've got this, John. Yeah, John, listen to your butt buddy. Mr. DMV has everything in control. Longley said class was dismissed, grabbed his briefcase, and left the room. No one else moved. Williams gripped the front edge of the podium with his massive hands and stared at Todd with a sad attempt at intimidation. What were you saying, Mr. Jaworski? Were you saying that you would like to discuss this somewhere else? That you were such a big man you could disrespect all of your classmates and their families and anyone else you pleased? Trying to sound confident as he looked at the idiots surrounding him, Todd said, Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. The bell rang, announcing the start of summer. Outside, students ran through the halls, screaming, throwing papers everywhere. Inside the classroom, everyone remained. Fair enough, Williams said. I guess everyone's entitled to their opinion, right? That's right. Good. Because there are probably a few things your classmates would be saying if you hadn't convinced them all that your brother's a big, bad, controlling force agent and your daddy's oh-so-powerful. I'd bet they'd say what an arrogant little shit you were. I bet they'd say your pockmarked face has more craters than the moon, that your eyes are a little too close together, and maybe your mommy and daddy are related. Todd sat up in his seat, slid his hand under his shirt, and gripped the gun. Fuck you. Two fuck yous in under two minutes. Let me guess, you're top of your class. You should shut your mouth. William stepped away from the podium. Look here, little boy. I don't care who your family is. You'd better. Or what? You'll see. You're all talk. Nothing but a coward. Speaking to the others, William said, Whatever you do in life, don't bow down to anyone, especially people like him. Todd jumped out of his chair and pulled the particle pistol from his waistband, aimed at William's chest. Oh yeah? 
I'll make you bow down. I'll show everyone who the coward is. The coward is the one aiming a gun at an unarmed civil servant, Williams said. He stepped into Todd's aisle, waved the other kids to move out of the way. As his classmates slipped out of their chairs and ran to the far wall, Todd told Williams, I'll shoot you. Stay back. Nice piece, Williams moved toward Todd. That's government issue. Your brother really let you borrow that? It's none of your business. All you gotta worry about is the hole it's going to leave in you. If that's how you want to handle this, go right ahead and shoot me. He took another step, leaving a few feet between them. Just know that if you do, you and your brother will burn. He'll be kicked off the force just for you having possession of his firearm. No one will ever know. Are you going to shoot all of us? There's not enough juice in that pack. Look at how low the proton level is. Todd tilted his head to glance at the grip. The proton pack was full. There's plenty. Williams tore the pistol out of Todd's hand and pushed him down in the chair. Now what? Give it back. Gladly. Williams slammed the gun onto the desk, the barrel breaking free and falling to the ground. Here you go. What the hell am I going to tell my brother? Williams turned his back on him and headed for the exit. To be more responsible with his weapon. You have to give me a new one. Williams stood next to the door, ushering out all the students. No, the only thing I need to do is head on over to work. Williams disappeared out the door and said, You have yourself a nice summer, Todd. Todd gazed at the broken pistol in his trembling hands. There was no way to fix it. He was dead. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.